Hey, Laura. Yeah? You want to talk about Leo? Leo? Yes. J. Edgar? Not so much. But let's do this. <laughs> Onward ho! Welcome, gentle listeners, to Let's Talk About Leo. This is the podcast where we discuss the body of work of Leonardo DiCaprio, one film at a time. I am Meredith, and with me, as always, is my delightful sister and fellow Leo lover, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Today, we are discussing a little-known Leo movie I believe is called Jedger. Am I pronouncing, <laughs> am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's how you say it. Jedger? Oh, or is, oh, it, or is it a actually, soft J? Is it Hedger? Well, it's really, what it is, is crap. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Strong feelings right out the gate. <laughs> so so sorry, Leo, if you actually do listen to this, which we know you don't, but if you do, just dude, this was this was not your best. Alright, <laughs> moving on. Okay. Um yeah. How are you? How so, are you? How are you today? Oh my god, chill out. <laughs> that was so stressful. I feel very accosted. I apologize. Let's just take a collective deep breath. How are you, Laura? I am traumatized. Oh, dear. I have to do the story again. Yes, you do. Okay, go for it. So, this morning, I was sitting outside with my dog, Emma, and she is a 13-year-old beautiful lady, a truly stunning and stately dog. Would you agree? She's, she is a top-notch babe of a dog. She is. She's gold with gold eyes and a little red nose, and she's beautiful. And she has great and eyeliner. Yeah, and she is very dainty, and she has an attitude. She's anyway. very vain. Yes, she is. She's beautiful, um, and she knows it. <laughs> she, she's curled up to me, next to me right now, just looking like a puppy. So the fact that you're talking about her like this is funny. But um, she doesn't act like she's 13 at all. She's still very active, and also she's the love of my life. Um, anyway, we were sitting outside enjoying the sun this morning. And she kind of, like, lunges forward all playfully to pick up a toy. Like, one of those fuzzy toys that has the squeaker in it. Mm-hmm. Me, me, me. And she loves those. Wait, I'm sorry. What, what's a squeaker? What? Me, me, me. Thank you. I'm much more clear on that concept now. I, <laughs> that's not even how it sounds. <laughs> I know. That's why I made <laughs> you do it twice. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> um, but she loves those toys because she likes to try to get the squeaker out. And destroy the toy which she can do in like two seconds um and i thought i'd gotten rid of all the toys like that so i was like huh and i looked closer and it was not a toy it was a rat it was a rat a brown rat that she chomped to death right in front of me with with her death mouth oh god that's horrible it was awful and she was so proud of herself and the poor rat was, like, twitching on the ground until it died, like, a minute later. Oh, so awful. <sighs> and I usually bury things she kills. Like, she just recently killed a dove. Your dog has a problem. Your dog is a serial killer, and you're the mom that gave her issues. <laughs> oh, 
is hurtful. I'm just going to start calling her Norman Bates. <laughs> but usually I have like a little uh, funeral, you know, for the animals. <laughs> we had a funeral for a bird. None of that's real. <laughs> You're not real. <laughs> Sorry, that was from the office. But I couldn't have a funeral with this rat because I'm at mom and dad's and they would just dig it up in the back. So I had to put it in the trash. Wait, mom and dad would dig up the rat in the back? Yeah. No, no, the dogs. Oh, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why would our parents be so weird? <laughs> so I had to put it in the trash, which it didn't deserve. And I've been feeling guilty all day. So I don't think you need to feel guilty about it. I mean, it, it wasn't your fault. These things happen. Death is a part of life. And, you know, humans made morals so that we didn't kill each other but like everything else just kills each other all the time yeah and she just was so proud of herself it was like it was like she had fulfilled her destiny she's fulfilling her biological responsibility to destroy the earth she is really happy right now i know she is she's fake snoring to be honest oh i love when she does that so that you won't move Yeah. But you look down and her eyes are wide open and she's like, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Not really asleep. Yeah, she just like lifted her head like, guys, don't give me away. (laughs) Um, Anyway, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I've actually, I felt kind of under the weather today. Um, But that's okay. What kind of weather? Um, Just weather. I just feel under it. I'm hoping that I'll feel over it very soon. But I just, I'm a little travel weary and heat weary and all that stuff. So if I sound a little low energy, my apologies. I'm just not feeling very good today. Um, but anyway, should we, should we talk about some Leo news? Oh, yes, please. Okay. So gentle listeners, you've all probably heard about this news because it's been everywhere. <laughs> Which is really weird because... This it's is not actual thing. news. <laughs> like, no, and it can't real news be comp- going on every two seconds in this country, and this story held for like three days straight. <laughs> well, and also, it's like. I can't even put it. I don't even know. It's, it can't be confirmed. Like, we don't even know if it happened. Yeah. So, okay. So, I think I traced it back to page six as the original source. Um, yes, that's and, where I first saw it. Yes. And they. Um, they have the headline, Carlos Greer. Shout out, Carlos. Hey, what's up? Um, hey, Carlos. He, the, the headline is, Leo DiCaprio is proud of his dad bod. And it's like, why wouldn't you be proud of your dad bod? Dad bods are amazing. And then it says, Leonardo DiCaprio has no problem with having a dad bod, quote unquote. And it's like, it's, you don't need to quote unquote it. Like, he has a dad bod. I don't get it. Okay. Well, he doesn't even really have the worst of the dad bod anymore. Like, he's, he's pretty fit right now. Like, not departed fit but you know yeah but like okay so then it says the wolf of wall street star which was not his last movie and you're supposed to do the last movie he was in so whatever the wolf of wall street star was overheard boasting about his workout habits or lack thereof at a pre-fourth of july bash in malibu california it was a part quote it was a party at this private estate he was drinking his beer and bragging to these models about how he doesn't work out a spy told us apparently the girls weren't impressed the girls were like, does he think that's attractive? It's not like he's in Titanic shape anymore, the source clipped. And I'm like, this source oh my God. is probably, oh my God. this source is probably Matt Damon, <laughs> first of all. Because Matt Damon's body be banging, and we all know that. That's true. And he yeah, works true. very hard for it, and he's probably like, what the H? 
I have a great body and, I, and I'm still the poor man's Leo. And then it's like, it's Matt Damon, don't feel so bad because you're still Matt Damon. Like being the poor it's man's true. Leo is still like being many notches above the rest. It's true. So I'm convinced that this spy at this party was Matt Damon. Okay, but also in Titanic, Titanic's shape is like he was like a little string bean. Like he was really young and he was very skinny. He was scrawny. What or are as, they talking as about? As Leo Ty- says, puny. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was. And, like, if you're going to talk about him being in the best shape, you want, like, The Beach mm-hmm. or The Departed. Oh, The Departed folks show. Yeah, The Departed, for sure. Um, I also like The Beach. Yeah, The Beach is great. But then he's still kind of scrawny in The Beach. and then That's true, he in, is. In The Departed, it's like he was like, I'm going to wake up and do 50 push-ups every and then at lunch, I'm going to do 50 more. And then I'm going to go for a run later. And then I'm going to do 50 more push-ups. And that's and a lot of push-ups in a day. And what do you want to bet that, like, he wasn't even bragging? They were just like, oh, what do you do to work out? And he's like, oh, I don't work out. He's like, that's it. I'm really rich. I've slept with all of the models. All of An them. entire Probably generation of, of, of women is in love with me. And I'm Leonardo de freaking Caprio. I don't need to be in good shape. Yeah, so that's Leo News. He's just walking around, being a drunk dad with his his dad bod, and not feeling bad about it in the slightest, which I okay. fully agree with, Leo. Um, like, also, though, you, push, you posted that. I sent you the picture and you posted it of him like, going to lunch with his dad. Yeah, and his dad, like, looked way spiffier than he did. <laughs> he was wearing, I don't remember what kind of hat, but a hat of some kind. Um. The usual, the drunk dad, like, ensemble. But instead of just the slip-on shoes, he was wearing socks. Yeah, I imagine, though, that he was wearing socks because his feet were cold. And then his dad was like, hey, Leo, you want to go to lunch? And he's like, sure, let me slip on my shoes. (laughs) He just (laughs) could not be bothered to take the socks off. Yeah, and he is wearing the blue baseball hat and his earbuds. He has his earbuds in on his phone when he's with his dad at lunch. He has, he's had them in in the last, like, like, the last, like, five pictures I've seen him in. He's walking around with them in. Yeah, this is like a thing and a lot of people keep talking about his earbuds and how he's obviously not paying attention to anyone. And it's like, maybe he just wants to look busy so that people won't come up to him and be like, oh my god, I loved you in Titanic. (laughs) No, but yeah, and his dad uh, was dressed in like nice dress pants and a button-down white shirt. Yeah. Like loafers. (laughs) His dad looked like he was going to show up at like a dinner party with a you know, a a nice Merlot or that was a bad choice of wine. Burgundy, that's what I wanted. I think he's going to show up with like ayahuasca. No, his dad's not going to show up with ayahuasca. (laughs) His dad's not like, I don't know. I imagine him being like like um, an intellectual hippie. I think he looks like a magician. He looks like Rasputin. We don't need to go over this again. (laughs) I know, but I think he like, he really has a magician vibe for me. But he would call himself an illusionist. I don't get that from him at all. I just get straight up Rasputin. (laughs) (laughs) Which, he was a little bit of a magician, so you're not totally wrong. Yeah. I was saying, he looks like he's, like, not, you know, like a party magician, but like a Vegas show magician. No, those people are all Vegas. Nah, they're... No, Chris Angel is not hot. (laughs) I was saying, I meant they think they're Who's the one that I always think is a magician, but he's actually a comedian and 
people thought he was really funny, but it turned out he was really annoying and he was in a movie with Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Doesn't he Dane seem Cook. like... Yeah. Doesn't Dane Cook seem like he would be a magician? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He has I, a real, I, he's got a real magician-y vibe. He's very Job-like. To me. <laughs> Job. Yeah, I guess. Illusionist, All right, back to Leo. Dad, my illusions. Oh, maybe Leo has his earbuds in because he's listening to us. We're binge listening. And he, his dad's like, Leo, I have something I'd like to talk to you about. And he's like, shut up, dad. I'm listening to my podcast. <laughs> and he's like, you, you have a podcast? He's like, no, it's about me. It's about me. <laughs> These bitches really appreciate my work. <laughs> oh, oh, he wouldn't call us bitches. Oh, no, he wouldn't. He'd be very respectful and call us like whoremongers. <laughs> <laughs> That's that Leo good. news for this week. Yeah, also, like, if you are going to meet Leo and you're going to say, does he think that's attractive? Listen, everything he does is attractive, so you need to close your mouth. Also, I would like to um, write a short verbal letter to the models. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Who, the models who, uh, you know, were making fun of him. Not, not all models. Like, Gigi Hadid's probably still cool. Um... <laughs> Hey, models. It's Meredith. You don't know I exist because I weigh over 98 pounds. But I just wanted to let you know that Leo does not need your approval. Leo does not need you to think that he's hot. Leo doesn't need you at all. So stop talking to page six like you matter. Because you do matter. Just not right now. Thank Notice you. Notice how your name, your name wasn't. Notice how your name wasn't used. Models. Yeah. You're not real. Do you think that's attractive to be rude to dudes at parties? Because it's not. Do you think think that's attractive to like spread all over the country? It doesn't doesn't work the other way though. Because it's like sexist. (laughs) It's like sexist to say to ladies, do you think it's attractive? (laughs) It's not as sexist to say it to dudes. It's like one of those weird double standard things. So anyway, I'm just displeased. And I'd like to move on to talking about our movie. <clears throat> All right, Laura. Laura, had you seen J. Edgar before? Thank God, no. <laughs> Why ever not? <laughs> oh, I had not seen J. Edgar before because I saw a picture of Leo in the old man makeup and I thought to myself, that I would not be able to take this movie seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and so I avoided it. You and the rest of America. <laughs> no, actually, it was fairly successful. But um, I was right. My God, this movie is, like, horrible. <laughs> it flirts with being awesomely bad, but it's just bad. Yeah. And... I usually I would say that it is not Leo's fault, um, but I really didn't like the way he played the character of J. Edgar. Yeah. And maybe it was the direction. Maybe it was Clint Eastwood's fault. Actually, it was Clint Eastwood's fault. Spoiler: yeah, it's, pro- it's probably Clint Eastwood's fault. You know, the father of oh, Scott Eastwood, <laughs> most, um, most famous for his procreation of a beautiful man. Yeah, I was just so bored during this movie. And I was irritated by the accent and the voice that Leo was using. And I felt 
nothing for Jay Edgar. I didn't what? care you about didn't, him either way. <laughs> you didn't like crotchety Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart? That's what this uh, Jay Edgar accent sounded like to me. It was like he was doing a crotchety Jimmy Stewart. Oh. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Stewart's like, well, Mary, Mary. Yeah. But he's like yeah. happy and excited. This was, this was crotchety. Crotchety. It was, so, <laughs> it was, it was very deep. Yeah, it was a real problem. <laughs> and, um, it could have been an interesting movie. Like, the first director of the FBI should be interesting. But they needed to pick a story to tell. Like, either tell us about his work or, like, make it more about his personal life. But it didn't work to, to like, half tell us about both. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they really didn't tell us about his personal life. They skipped all the most interesting parts. Like, even the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby, which was, like, such a huge deal back then. Um, the way it was told in the movie was boring. Mm-hmm. Although, Charles like, Lindbergh, the guy who played him, was smoking. Oh, yeah. That guy's name is Josh something. I'm also, like, for some reason, thinking about the kidnapping of the Lindbergh, ba- Lindbergh, ba- Lindbergh baby, like, sends chills up my spine. Like, the whole crime haunts me in the night for some reason. <laughs> it's not great. It's very scary. And it's not really that scary. It's just, like, a straight-up normal kidnapping. But the whole thing, for some reason, it's a a pretty standard kidnapping (laughs) yeah i mean as far as like weird stuff that people do to each other goes it's like pretty tame but like it just creeps me out for some reason well and i never knew before that like the kid probably died when he fell like i fell like five feet or whatever yeah and then freaking charles Lindbergh turned out to be like a nazi sympathizer (laughs) Not yeah. everybody's perfect. He he was where the whole America first thing actually came from. Well, anyway. There's I actually like a really good book about a fictionalized uh, world where he ran for president called The Plot Against America. Okay. That people should read. <laughs> oh, okay. Suggestion for the book. Yeah. Anyway, I, I felt like the character of J. Edgar was just so bland and unsympathetic and I was so bored. The only part of the movie that I even remotely enjoyed was the relationship between J. Edgar and Clyde. Ugh. I I liked it. I would have just like I would have liked to see a movie of just that. <laughs> but this is definitely my least favorite of Leo's movies. Yeah. I would rather watch Critters Three, The Quick and the Dead, and Celebrity Forever on a Loop than ever watch this movie again. Well very strong words. Hey, Meredith, had you seen J. Edgar before? I had seen J. Edgar before because Poor I, you. I didn't have a lot to do right after graduating from college. And so my roommate and I used to go to the movies at Cobble Hill Cinemas, which for those of you who live in Brooklyn know that Cobble Hill Cinema is like the cheapest movie theater in the history of the world because they haven't updated since the 1980s. And half the time you go and the screens are broken and they just give you your money back. Um, so that's what we used to do all the time is just go there and see movies for like $8. And so we went and saw Jay Edgar and we were very excited and we were the only two people at a 9 p.m. showing. And I just remember us laughing our butts off. Like, I, it was so bad that we were just laughing hysterically and there was like, we, the whole way home, we just kept saying like stupid lines from the movie. And then I was just like, this movie is so bad. And then I remember telling you that it was really bad. And you were like, no, no, Leo doesn't make bad movies. And I was like, <laughs> I would, yeah. And I, at the time I said, it's not his fault, but I think it might be a little bit his fault. 
Well, no, no. Uh, I have information. You have further information. I have further information. Yeah, but this movie, oh my god, watching it the second time was like having hypodermic needles stabbed into my arm repeatedly, it was, and it was it was pain it was painful. It's so boring. I don't know how you make a secret multi-decade gay relationship with one of the, like the most powerful man in the country boring but they did they managed oh, to yeah. make it so boring so boring and i also just like army hammer who plays clyde the character that j edgar's you know is his like partner i like i don't know what it is i think a lot of people suffer from this with army hammer and that's why he's not more of a thing when he talks, it's like, I can't, I can't listen. I'm so bored when he opens his mouth. And there's something about oh. the tone of his voice that I'm like, I can't even hear the words that you're saying. Oh, I felt the only I, time that I was ever like, yeah, J. Edgar was when he was like, why do you have to enunciate? <laughs> I was like, seriously, Army Hammer, why you have to enunciate. You have to enunciate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hate this movie. This is definitely the uh, worst video movie. I never want to watch it again. Nope. I also nope. just don't care for J. Edgar at Hoover as a person, like a historical mm-hmm. figure. I think he was super bogus. He's I get very that shady. he he like did a lot of cool stuff, like the FBI is super power and whatever. Hey FBI, what's up? You're probably listening. I appreciate the work that the FBI does. And I do appreciate that he he basically is the one who established the FBI as like completely separate from the president. Mm-hmm. Because if he hadn't done that, then the FBI would have been like the president's secret police. And that would have been super gnarly, as we've seen in history. Like, when leaders have secret police, bad things happen. But, you know, like, he took the job with the, you know, caveat that he did not report to the president, that he reported to the attorney general. And that's, like, a really huge part of how America functions and how investigations go. And we have seen very recently that that's a really important function of the FBI is to not have to give loyalty to anyone mm-hmm. but America. Mic drop. Okay. The end. The end. Yeah, let's never Wait, talk about I this wish. movie ever again. <laughs> but we have to. Because <laughs> this we is the life to. we have cho- chosen. You know what? I mean, in the 27, we haven't seen, uh, we haven't finished yet, but like, in the 27 movies that he's made, this is the worst, but like it's just one that I'm like, I hate this. Yeah, it's really stupid. It's really stupid. Um, but anyway, uh, do you have some trivia facts about this film? Sure do. Would you care to share them with us? I, th- I, th- I was waiting for you to do the trivia facts song. Oh, sorry. I always forget that that exists. Trivia facts, trivia facts. Pew, 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 pew. Beautiful. Thank you. Army Hammer. Ugh. Who plays Clyde Tolson is the great grandson of Armand Hammer, a petroleum tycoon, and what was it? Arm and Hammer? Yeah. Army, Arm and Hammer. Ar- Army Hammer is the heir to the Arm and Hammer like baking soda company fortune. Right, but and first he was petroleum. Armand Hammer was a petroleum tycoon. Yeah, and he bought Arm, Arm and Hammer because he thought it was funny that it was like his name. And then his son has that name. No, uh, his son. grandson, great grandson, whatever. Yeah. Um. Anyway, 
Uh, Armand Hammer was scrutinized and suspected for years of having Soviet ties, and he was suspected by J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, Army took this role to avenge that scrutiny. Well, good job, Army Hammer. <laughs> you really, you really stuck it to the man. How, how is taking this role avenging that scrutiny? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand either, unless he thinks that it's embarrassing that Jag or Hoover slept with men. But doesn't, isn't Army Hammer like, what? No. I don't know if Army Hammer is bisexual. I know that he's into bondage. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. He's like been very open about that. But then tried to walk it back because it made people uncomfortable. But then if you follow his Instagram likes, he like likes a lot of bondagey things. And it's like a thing that people follow. Okay. But I'm actually going to Google if he's bisexual right now. Um, next. <laughs> Charlize Theron, Claire Danes, and Amy Adams were considered for the role of J. Edgar's secretary, the most boring person in the movie, Helen Gandy, before Naomi Watts was cast. Oh my god. It was like... It w- this movie was like someone an Aaron Sorkin. Somebody wanted to write an Aaron Sorkin movie. But then, like, took downers before they started writing. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's <laughs> not how this works. Um, I don't see that Charlize Theron, Claire Danes, or Amy Adams could have saved this in any way. Oh, no. No, no, no. No. Claire Danes would have been the worst. Though. Oh, yeah, because she would have, like, quivered her chin a lot. That would have been a real <laughs> problem. Also, she, she and Leo like, like I don't. I'm not interested in marriage. Also, um, she and Leo don't like each other, and they have that's no right. chemistry. They have, yeah, that's true. Okay, Leo. Okay, this is the this is the most important fact that I'm going to tell you that might have a lot to do with why this movie sucks. Well, actually, the next two facts. Okay. Okay. Leo and Clint, and director Clint Eastwood, had a major falling out while shooting the film. That was never res- that was never resolved. Apparently, Leo didn't like the way a scene went, and he called for a reshoot. But Eastwood ignored this re- his request, turned his back to Leo, and walked away. <gasps> that is rude. Mm-hmm. For the rest of the shoot, they were cold to each other and only interacted when necessary. So I think that this qualifies Mr. Eastwood for a spot on our list of enemies of the podcast. I think he definitely can be added to the list of enemies of the podcast. However, we cannot forget that he is the father of Stone Cold Super Fox, Scott Eastwood. So what do we do that with that? That does not make him a friend. That doesn't make him a friend. Is he a frenemy, though? Like, no, no, he, he's an enemy. He, he made a hot he person. He turned his back. That's fine. But Leo was trying to do his art, and he turned his back and walked away. Yeah, that's super douchey. And it's also like... Like... Clint. Leo it's was trying to help you because your movie sucked so bad. And Leo was like, let's make this the best we can. And Clint was like, nah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the next fact is uh, similar. Uh, Clint Eastwood also had a falling out with the screenwriter, Dustin Lance Black, who wanted to collaborate and improve the script during shooting. But Eastwood insisted on doing everything exactly as written. You're going to hate him even more with my next one. Yeah. <laughs> my next fact. Leo and Army Hammer 
both approached Eastwood, suggesting that the relationship between J. Edgar and Clyde should be shown with more affection and a graphic love scene. But Eastwood absolutely refused, saying that the script didn't call for that, even though the writer was totally on board with making the changes to improve it. Oh my god, Clint Eastwood, you cow. That's what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't, I don't think it was entirely, I mean, a little bit Leo's fault, maybe, but I think that Clint Eastwood oh, yeah, hardcore. absolutely like, ruined it. Isn't Clint Eastwood, like, super conservative and, like, maybe not super cool with gay people? I don't know if he's super cool with gay people, but he's definitely uh, very Republican. Remember when he talked to that chair and everyone thought he was insane? Yes. Yeah. We should all take a moment to remember that right now. This is probably, no, this isn't, like, that. I was going to say, maybe these were, that was at the same time and he was just losing his mind. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, I think it's it's incredibly stupid to make a movie about a character who, at the very least, has fluid sexuality and not make a bigger deal of it and just act like they, just act like they were friends who had dinner every night. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mistake. It's insulting and like demeaning to the relationship that those two men had which was obviously very deep and spanned decades yes i know he should have quit <laughs> he ruined it he should have called his son and been like just come here and be hot and make this situation better well scott eastwood auditioned for a role in the movie but did not get the part what role did he audition for i don't know some small role oh wait i actually do agent smith I don't either. Was it that guy with the mustache that I, like, knew where he was from but couldn't place him? Fancy man? Sure. You know who I'm talking no, about. No, 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 no. Not Dermot Mulroney. Um, the other guy. Uh, <laughs> One of the other 1,800 white men in this movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Scott Eastwood auditioned and didn't get to be in the movie, so... That was another mistake. <laughs> was this before he started using Eastwood as his last name? name? I, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the role of Clyde almost went to a different actor. Can you guess? Toby Maguire? No, that would have been amazing. I don't think they can make out, though, because, like, that, that, they're best friends and that'd be weird. Also, Clyde was, like, actually, like, looked a lot like Army Hammer. But um, uh, the role almost went to one Mr. Bradley Cooper. <gasps> the Bradley Coopers. I know. Oh, I, oh my God! Bradley Cooper would have been so much better. I know. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Army Hammer. You're a handsome gentleman. I'm sure you're a delightful actor who just hasn't been given his shot yet. But good lord. Yeah. So my whole thing is, Dust- Dustin Lance Black wrote Milk. He won the Academy Award. Mm-hmm. You know who that is, right? Yeah. I think he's married to the dive man. What? That diver from the um, really oh, adorable from the Olympics. Yeah, the hot, yeah, the hot one. Yeah, I think yeah. they're married now. Aww, congratulations. Yeah, and he also, he gave an incredible speech when he won his Oscar. And this movie is filled with very talented people who all wanted to make this movie, who wanted to make this movie better. We're trying to make this movie better. And every sign points to the fact that Clint Eastwood single-handedly ruined this film. Yeah, that he was just, like, phoning it in and was super bored and could not be bothered. Yeah, so while I was underwhelmed with Leo's performance, I think he was doing his very best and may have been creatively stifled. So I'm going to say the failings of this movie were not his fault. 
I don't know that we can say that definitively, but I'm going to say that it's more Clint Eastwood's fault than anybody else's fault. Well, I just feel like Leo was, you know, trying to do things and making suggestions, and he's like, no, 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 you know. I'm sure that's how Clint Eastwood talks. definitely how Clint Eastwood talks. (laughs) Clint Eastwood, actually, Clint Eastwood talks like this. He'd be like, no, 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 none. I'm Clint Eastwood. Nope, that's too much. That's too much talking. (laughs) I made a bunch of movies in a really hot sun. I also have like 1,800 other children. One of my ex-wives had a reality TV show for two seconds. No. I exclusively make movies about World War II. (laughs) Except for this one. Except for this one. obviously a bad idea. No, you can't kiss. No. Oh, my God. I know. It's upsetting, isn't it? It is really upsetting. I just don't like that someone was, like, trying to, you know, um, dampen Leo's genius. <laughs> I also just don't really hop on the Clint with directing train. Is there a train? Is anyone on that train? Oh, no. Yeah, people are on that train. People are like, oh. ooh, Clint Eastwood directed it. And it's like, just because he's famous and was once really good looking doesn't mean it's any good. I almost feel like screaming, he's not your friend! You don't have you. <laughs> There's no loyalty here. <laughs> you don't know him. But no, I, I think he makes pretty movies, sort of, in that everything has a lot of shadows and is very muted in tone. And so you're supposed to be like, ooh, this is interesting. But I don't think that like... This movie was so darkly lit that like I couldn't see anybody's face. Yeah. And everybody looked like haggard. Everybody real looked tired. pale, tired, haggard, and I couldn't see their faces, and it was dark, there was no light, it was awful! Yeah, it was, it was stupid. Um, <gasps> do you have any more trivia facts? No, I end it there. Okay. So would you like to give us some background? I would, and how we're going to do this this time, since this is a biopic, we're going to do kind of the same thing that we did previously with um, The Aviator, and I'm going to tell you about the real J.I. Because there's no plot to this movie, so it would be very boring. We don't want you to, like, fall asleep while you're listening, unless that's what you're going for. And if we tried to tell you the plot of this movie... We would fail. We would fail. There's not. There's no way to do it, so... Um, wait, wait, wait. Do you remember when we were doing The Aviator, and you said that Marty Scores said that The Aviator had no plot, and we were like, what are you talking about, Marty? And now I'm, like, watching this movie, and I'm like, this is a movie with no plot. Exactly. Yes. Zero plot. No well, plot whatsoever, other than there is a character that starts out young and gets old, but that doesn't even happen all at the same time. Marty scores. Uh, oh no, he said all, none. He said none of his movies had a plot. Well, that's just stupid. <laughs> that the first one to have a plot was Shutter Island. Marty. Yeah, he doesn't know what a plot is. I think you need to go back to elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's doing fine. I think he's. I think he's gonna be just fine. You know who I think needs to go to directing school though? Uh, Clint Eastwood. Yes, I think I, he also needs to go to Manners School. Just like all the schools, go to all the schools, Clint Eastwood. Go except for except for Hotness School. Yeah, you don't have to go to Hotness because he's he's pretty good. At that. Or gunslinging school. He's good at that as well. Yeah, you know, stick to your strengths, Clint Eastwood. This is not your strength. Yeah. Anyway, be hot, <laughs> sling guns. That's <laughs> it. That's it. That's all we want from you. That's what it says on his resume for special skills. <laughs> Being hot and gunslinging skills. I bet he like sat down at his little computer and he was like, I don't know how to type on this. And then his hot son, Scott, came over and was like, let me help you update your resume, Dad. And he's like, which of my children are you? And which, he's like, I'm the hot one. Children, which of my children are you? And then he's like, special skills. Gunslinging. 
hotness. <laughs> Talking like this. <laughs> Storytelling. And Scott's like, really, Dad? That's Storytelling. I'm not, not going to put that one down. No. Storytelling is not a strength of yours. <laughs> when, maybe when you go in for the uh, interview. I know they don't have interviews. But maybe if you go in for the interview, or you have a meeting with someone, and they ask you what your weaknesses are, storytelling might be the one you would want to bring up. Yes. Yes. All right. And background. Onset oh, decorum. Sorry. Yes. Being kind to people and being professional and being, you know, nice to the actor who is trying to do his job. Also, um, he wouldn't put strong managerial skills on his resume either. No. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Okay. Background? Do you have a song yes. for background? No. Background. Wait. Wait, no, no, no. I'm going to do it to the Outlander theme song because I've been watching Outlander all day. Background, oh, background. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So J. Edgar came out on November 11th, 2011, <gasps> which was Leo's, birthday. Leo's 37th birthday. Hold up. That's crazy. Wait, what? <laughs> Today is Blake's 37th birthday. That's crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Wow. I can't believe that. Crazy, what a coincidence. You, men- you mentioned Leo's 37th birthday on Blake's 37th birthday. Uh, by the way, happy birthday, Blake. You don't listen to this podcast. Also, I remembered that one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world, Megan, her birthday is on November 11th. We were texting today and I all of a sudden went, wait, is your birthday November 11th? And she goes, why, yes, it is. And I go, that's the same day as Leo. Did she know? Did she know before? Yeah, she totally knew, and she was like, of course it is. That's why I feel such a strong connection to him. <laughs> we all do, though. So. You know, but yeah. she, they're birthday buddies, so. Oh, well, look at I'm birthday buddies with Jesus Christ. But, like, not really. Not really. He's yeah. probably born in the spring sometime. Listen, listen. I'm birthday buddies with Jesus Christ. I'm birthday buddies with uh, uh, Elvis Costello and Sean Connery and um, Blake Lively. Cool. Awesome. And our aunt. Oh, she listens. Hi. What's up? Okay. Hey, uh, hey, like, we need, we're trying so hard not to talk about this movie. I know, so because it's, there's nothing to say and it's so bad. Please, I'll shut up and you talk about that. Okay, so it came out on November 11th, 2011, Leo's 37th birthday. It was a moderate success, um, although it was criticized for focusing too much on Hoover's rumored homosexuality, his use of the FBI to gain political power, and his shady activities surrounding civil rights leaders, particularly Martin Luther King Jr. People didn't want that story. They wanted to see a hero, and that isn't what they really got. They got a bland... Because that's not who he was. They got a bland man who struggled with his sexuality and wasn't entirely on the up and up with his business dealings. Mm-hmm. Since Hoover's personal files were destroyed and no one knows what they contained, a lot of the film is based on rumor and speculation, which had hardcore Hoover admirers very upset. The movie never really answered the question of who J. Edgar really was, and that's because it's an impossible question to answer. He was an enigmatic dude. But I will try right now to give you a brief idea of who the real J. Edgar was and why he matters. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. John Edgar Hoover was born on January 1st, 1895 in Washington, D.C. Both of his parents were civil servants working for the government, um, and he like, grew up like three blocks from like, I forget the 
capital or something like that. He was right there. He was in the, he was in the hub. He was raised there. He had a stuttering issue as a child, which he overcame by learning to talk really fast and to enunciate. And I find that odd because while Leo was speaking with incredible diction, he was talking so freaking slowly and carefully. It was annoying. I know it made the movie take 5,000 years. He talked like this all the time. <laughs> I am a good boy with good diction. I have good diction. But I am a good boy. We now sound like JFK. <laughs> Ask not <laughs> what you can do. <laughs> he wore suits sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Went inside over half of mankind. <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> well, that's... It also is the worst movie, so... Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it's weird because Leo talked so slow, but apparently he, uh, J. Edgar was actually known for talking very fast. That's an exciting fact about him. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> J. Edgar joined the debate team to practice his public speaking. He was very close to his mother, as was depicted in the movie, and he lived with her until her death when he was 43 years old. That's kind of weird. Only um, in America is that weird, though. Like, in other countries, people live with their parents until they get married, and then they stay with them after, and it's, like, not a problem. After high school, he got a real he got a real job. After high school, he got, <laughs> he got a job at the Library of Congress and attended law school at night at George Washington University Law School. When World War One began, Hoover started working for the Justice Department and had a draft exempt position. He was the head of Alien Enemy the Alien Enemy Bureau where he was given permission from President Woodrow Wilson to arrest and jail disloyal foreigners without trial. Whoa. Yeah. Hold up, Leo, yet again, being way ahead of his time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Very stressful. <laughs> uh, he eventually became the fifth head of the Bureau of Investigations and the first director of the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the FBI. Uh, he built the FBI into what it is today, Introducing the use of forensic science in investigations and stressing professionalism among his agents. Oh my god, also, can we talk about how many times they made fun of him for thinking that fingerprints existed? I know. <laughs> it's like, dude, we get it. They weren't a thing yet. And they're also still kind of not a thing now, we're realizing. I think that they, the fingerprints are, it's like hair, hair samples are not. No, even fingerprints can sometimes be iffy. Mm. Like, um, if you get a clean print, it's fine. But, like, partial prints are really tricky. It's not as simple as CSI led us all to believe. Oh, God, that show is so good. <laughs> um, but J. Edgar was also kind of a tyrant. He often fired agents for random reasons. For example, if they looked, if they looked like truck drivers or were what he called pinheads. So, basically, if he didn't like your face, you would get fired. That's <laughs> and he frequently moved agents who he didn't like into career-ending desk jobs. In the movie, we see this happen to poor Melvin Purvis, <laughs> who was not only cursed with a really unfortunate name, but was also put on an eternal desk duty by Hoover, because Hoover was jealous of the recognition he received after uh, killing John Dillinger. So basically, he's a douchebag. Yeah, that's really rude. That's horrible. And I'm pretty sure illegal. Yeah. Well, I mean, firing people because you don't like their faces and you think they look like truck drivers. That's, oh uh, that's awful. 
Do you know how much I wish that I could, like, just dismiss people that I didn't like their faces? Yeah, I wish I could, too. It's rude of me to say. I like their faces. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, some people have faces that are just intolerable. Like Ben Affleck. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't have one of those faces for me. Ben Affleck? Uh, J. Edgar himself denied the existence of organized crime. Like, it didn't exist, wasn't happening, but he received credit for the capture or killing of many gangsters, none of whom he actually caught, killed or caught himself. Mm-hmm. He also um, got, like, horse betting tips from uh, from a gangster, so that he would always win. And the gangster's name was Frank Costello. <gasps> Gina Williams! I know! Gina I know. Isn't that amazing? Oh my god, Leo. (laughs) Chain of freaking Leos. Um, J. Edgar really did try to ruin the reputations of several prominent leaders, including Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Which is not cool, because he's one of the greatest men to live ever. He was basically a gossip, like a fake, like he was a rumor starter. He told um, Robert Kennedy that Martin Luther King Jr. was making rude comments at JFK's funeral, which was untrue. What kind of... Okay, so again, I just need to say this for the record to the people, because this is the only platform that I have. We need to stop saying that people are behaving like teenage girls, because you know who the only people who behave like teenage girls are? Grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. men. (laughs) They're always doing crap like that and then being like, oh, you women, you're so petty. And I'm like, J. Edgar freaking Hoover was starting rumors at the president's funeral. He went to his brother and said, Martin Luther King Jr. was talking bad about your brother. <laughs> like, what the H? That is some real Regina George level stuff. Yeah, I think he was very much a Regina George. Um, some say... Who here feels that they have been personally victimized by J. Edgar Hoover? Hands up. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Some say, and I'm going to say that I am in the some category here, some say that he abused his power, and today FBI directors are not allowed to serve more than 10 years. Thank goodness. Do you know who the current acting head of the FBI is? There isn't one yet. Yes, there is. There's, there is one now? They got that in under the wire no, while we current, were all paying attention to someone current, else? Current acting head, so not... Oh, person. acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who it is, because I wasn't attention to that part but i know who it used to be yeah wow andrew we McCabe, all know who andrew mccabe took over for james when james comey was fired oh yeah no i knew that because he didn't because maybe um our current because president fires people because they look like truck drivers and have pinheads oh my god wait but james comey does not have a pinhead nor does he look like a truck driver well, he's like a genuinely very striking man well, maybe that's a problem for the current president. Maybe he doesn't have a problem with truck drivers and pinheads. He has a problem with attractive people. Oh, my God. He, no, attractive men. He has. He loves attractive women. That's true. But he um, maybe he's like the like Mindy Kaling. He just fires all the people of the same gender of, of, as him that are more attractive than he is. Well, that would be like literally everyone on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. that's, why, like, that's why like the only people that can hang out with him are his sons. Right. Oh, anyway. this is rude. Well, when they when they go low, we go high. Oh my God, Michelle Obama, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we let you down. <laughs> I hate letting the Obamas down. <laughs> anyway, J. Edgar Hoover died at the age of 77 uh, on May 2nd, 1972, of a heart attack. He left his entire estate to his 
close friend, friend. <laughs> his close friend and rumored lover Clyde Tolson. Uh, rumors of J. Edgar's homosexuality go back as far as the 1940s, but were never actually confirmed. He never married, and neither did Clyde. They spent their days working together and their evenings sharing meals and going to clubs together. So basically, it's Leo and Toby. <laughs> but Toby married. That's true. They often vacationed together, but for understandable reasons, they never confirmed their romantic relationship. I don't know. I'm I'm single, and I spend a whole lot of time with my best friend, and we go on trips and talk all the time, and it's definitely not a romantic relationship. We're just super close, but we're also ladies, which ladies have different kinds of friendships. Um, yeah, I am probably of, in the camp of, like, his sexuality was just more fluid. But I think that he was homoamorous. I think he was bisexual, but homoamorous. What does that mean? Oh, um, it means so he is sexually attracted to both genders or all what or whatever, both ends of the gender spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, but he falls in love with men or people of the same gender. Oh, okay. Wow. It's like a new. There's like a new Kinsey scale that divides it up into like sexual attraction and romantic attraction hmm. so yeah but it explains it explains like why a lot of bisexual people tend to have romantic relationships with one gender versus yeah, they, they can have them with both obviously i see this has been another episode of meredith explains sexuality <laughs> well, i just never heard that term before no it's it's, it's a fairly new concept I, I heard it on dan savage Ah, okay. And I was like, huh, that makes so much sense. That's a completely brilliant concept. Why did we never think of that before? But for poor J. Edgar, back in the day, he didn't have any options. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, as far as call it, like, being like, I'm bisexual homoamorous. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> you were either straight or you were, queer. like, a deviant. <laughs> you were queer, didn't, queer didn't have the same... Uh, <laughs> like positive connotation that it does today yeah um so that's that he died you know and stuff well, i got all the stuff and that's life i'm sorry jay edgar i mean i kind of feel like he wasn't kind of feel like he wasn't great like yeah. he seems like well, kind of a douchebag he's like talking trash at jfk's funeral no not like, at it he came he went to him afterwards and said that martin luther king was talking about it at the it matters not. It's a moment <laughs> of national tragedy, and this dude's brother has just been slaughtered on national television. And he's like, Martin Luther King's talking bit. <laughs> he, he, he comes over and he's like, Bobby, I don't know how to tell you this, <laughs> but I feel like somebody needs to. So I'm just going to be honest. Don't be upset with me, okay? Promise you won't be upset. And then Bobby Kennedy's like, I will not be upset. And, <laughs> and then, and then Edgar's like, Martin Luther King Jr. said some really nasty things about your brother at his funeral. I know, I know, it's horrible, it's horrible, but just like, hear me out. <laughs> we have to destroy him. We have to destroy Martin Luther King Jr. You know what? I kind of feel like J. Edgar was a life ruiner. He ruined people's lives. Yeah, he but he really did. He really did. Melvin Purvis? Ruined. Oh my god. 
And Melvin Purvis probably had, like, overcome a lifetime of bullying. Because <laughs> if his name was Melvin Purvis. I'm gonna Purvis look is a pervert. Purvis is a pervert. <laughs> it's like if pelvis and pervert got married. It is. Purvis is a kind of unfortunate. Um, I'm looking up Melvin Purvis to see if he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. He's not a bad looking man. He just looks a little bit like a Nazi. A little bit. I don't know how you look like a Nazi. You know who's a little bit You know who's a little bit sexual? John Dillinger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Woo! Okay, sorry. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I gotta look him up because I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looked like he did not give an F. (laughs) No. No. You know what? I don't think he did. I don't think he did at all. Ooh, but then in that other picture, he's like super dead. I don't like when they show people's like dead photos. That's how I felt about the rat this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now that we've established that Melvin Purvis looked like a Nazi and John Dillinger was hot. <laughs> Very hot. Wait, does Christian Bale play Melvin Purvis? <gasps> I think he does, actually. Hold on. Hold hold it. What's that movie called? Uh, I'm just going to Christian Bale's name. Is it is, is it public enemy? Yeah, it is, but Oh, he's I think he does. Um, his face. His face is really nice. Well, you know he's in Public Enemies, though? He does! He plays Melvin Purvis! Oh my god. He's amazing. Well, now I hate J. Edgar even more, because he tried to ruin uh, Christian Bale's fake life. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at Christian Bale's face. This is a really boring podcast that we're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so just tell me, what did you like about this movie? Um, okay, so I have three scenes that I would like to bring up as, like, they made me chuckle or made me pay any sort of attention and made me stop pushing my cuticles back in boredom. Okay. Uh, the first one is the crazy fight between J. Edgar and Clyde. Oh, yeah. When J. Edgar, they're, like, hanging out in their their dope, dope bathrooms. (laughs) On their vacation. On their vacation with their joining rooms. And uh, they, like, are sitting down having a cocktail in the bathrobes, as one does. And J. Edgar, being the life ruiner that he is, is like, <laughs> I think I think it's time to take a missus. I think I'm going to get a wife. <laughs> the way he waits, and he waits until after friggin' um, Clyde tells him that he loves him. Oh, yeah. And then, so, like, he's like, uh, you're, you're very important to me, Clyde. And then Clyde's like, I love you, Edgar. And then he's like, I think I'll take a missus. <laughs> oh my god. He's a life ruiner. It's horrible. And then Clyde, reasonably so, is like, you are the worst person in the world. <laughs> I don't know why I like you. I'm so angry. He smashes his glass on the fireplace, which is a baller move. You never need to get a lot of people's attention all at once, or just one specific person. And then he's stomping about, and J. Edgar, the only thing he has to say is, you're not even wearing any shoes. <laughs> And this is the the I, I I could text my room my old roommate right now and be like you're not even wearing shoes and she would know exactly what I was talking about <laughs> because we said that to each other so often and oh my god it's preposterous and then they get into like a fist fight which made me think about like the dynamics of like you know domestic abuse in homosexual relationships mm-hmm. if that is it different than heterosexual relationships probably not but why do I feel weird watching the scene why does it seem different. 
And then all of a sudden, the only time you see them kiss in this movie is after they've beaten the crap out of each other, and it's a little bit of a rapey kiss. It's like he attacks his face, and their faces are like smashed together, and then Leo like opens his eyes really wide, like ah. And it like you're at the time you're like, did have they not? They've been together for years. Have they yeah. not like bingity bangity? Like, well, I think in real life they probably had, and um, you know, because Clint Eastwood couldn't. That's what Army Hammer and Leo wanted to do. They wanted yeah. to show that side of the relationship so you could believe that these two people were actually together. And friggin' Clint Eastwood's like, no. He's like, no. I gotta go talk to an empty chair. Um, anytime you guys are gonna kiss, it's gonna be very manly. It's going to be after a fight. You're gonna smash your faces together. And Leo's like, that's not really what homosexual relationships are like, man. They're Leo's like, <laughs> as someone who's made out with a dude before, has Leo made out with Professor Lupin? Yeah. Exactly. And was really good at it. But I, I don't know. I just like didn't buy the chemistry between um, Army Hammer and Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? I, I thought they had some. I didn't, I didn't buy it at all. Well, I felt the attraction from Army towards uh, Leo. Because I know it was real. <laughs> <laughs> remember that what that was a leo news like a couple of, i don't know a long time ago is the army hammer like said that he got excited when he had kissed leo yeah and he was super into him <laughs> no wonder he wanted no wonder he wanted to like have the love scene i would too yeah i mean whatever so that's my that's my favorite scene in the whole thing the other part of this movie that is just completely preposterous and made me laugh every time is the um, he waves at various presidents from his balcony during their inaugural parades. <laughs> I know. He just like he's <laughs> he's just like doing his work, and then there's the inaugural parade, and he's like, "I guess I should go wave at this fool." You know, and he, he goes out and waves from his like balcony. His, it's like his Jack Donaghy thinking window, and he goes there, but then he like steps out, and you think you would think the way that he's walking out onto the balcony that all the people are looking at him. But then the camera like turns around and no one's looking at him and he's just waving like a friggin' fool. <laughs> I I really felt like this this was an instance of where this movie tried to do like the Forrest Gump thing. Mm-hmm. Where it like shows or, and like the um the the Don Draper not Don Draper, like the Mad Men thing of like how did we get from here to there mm-hmm. through this one story? But it completely fails to do it also because they do this weird, stupid thing where time isn't linear. It's so confusing. It's so confusing. They'll, like, get in an elevator as old dudes and get out as young dudes. And you're like, what? Which is, like, a good, like, I can see how that could work. If you put any effort into establishing a narrative whatsoever. Exactly. But the fact that there's no story to follow, it's just like, oh, okay. It's just like, ah, they just aged, like, 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. It was, uh... Um, and then my third favorite scene is uh, when he gets, so J. Edgar Hoover was like the first government person to be informed of the assassination of JFK. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He he calls Bobby, Bobby Kennedy, who was the attorney general at the time, right? Let's just say he was I there. I think he was the attorney general. But he calls him and he's like, hey, Bobby, I have some news for you. Do you want to know what it is? And Bobby's like, sure. Sure, J. Edgar. And he's like, your brother's been killed. And then just hangs up the phone. 
No, he doesn't even say your brother's been killed. He says, the president's been shot. Yep, and then just hangs up the phone. <laughs> and then he's like, hee hee hee, I'm a life ruiner. I ruined people's lives. Then he <laughs> went home, goes home and Clyde's like, how many lives did you ruin today? And he's like, hee hee, seven. <laughs> and then when LBJ is president, he goes to the hippies and he's like, hey, uh, my boyfriend said this thing to me that it totally rhymes with LBJ. <laughs> No, he just stands behind them and like, Hey, hey, LBJ! <laughs> How many kids did you kill today? <laughs> and then like, they all turn around to see who's saying it. And he's like, dressed like, he's like in a sheet. <laughs> so he's wearing his mom's clothes. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing his mom's clothes. What did you make of that scene? Of him after his mom's death? When <sighs> he puts on her clothes and then sobs on the floor like Gollum. Well, apparently there's a whole other thing about him being a cross-dresser. Well, there were were reports of him being seen at, like, underground gay sex clubs dressed as a woman with Clyde. Yeah, so I think that was, like, a slight nod to that without actually saying it. Uh, But when I, if I didn't know that, I would think that he just wanted to be close to his mom. That's all. Yeah, I thought that Okay, so back in the day, when I used to do artistic things, I had a director who would say, generality is the enemy of art. And I think this movie suffered from that. It needed to, like, decide what it was saying. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that anybody knew what that scene was supposed to mean. Did it mean that he, like, wanted to be wearing women's clothing? Or did he just want to be close to his mother? I don't think he would have put them on. Like, that's super, like... Norman Batesy again to like put on your mom's clothes after she's dead. He was a little Norman Batesy. Yeah, a little bit. Also, his mom was a total mean girl. Oh, she was so mean. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I just, I, th- this movie couldn't decide what it wanted to say about anything. And it's like, J. Edgar is such a, he's such a, an enigmatic dude. And it's like, if you're going to make a movie about him, you can't make the movie enigmatic. You have to decide who you think he is and present that. But anyway, no, I think that you can, you could have made a movie, theoretically, where you show him as a hero and a life ruiner, or at least a public hero and a secret life ruiner. But what you have to do is actually establish that those things are happening. They never established that those things were happening. They just were like, oh, he's listening to some recordings, but we don't know what they are. Sex recordings? Yeah, what was that all about? Like, you have to tell us what those things are. Wasn't he listening to that when he made the call? to uh robert kennedy to tell him his brother died yeah but it was supposedly like a his brother having sex with a communist also i knew i was (laughs) gonna hate this movie because i like really hate when people talk about communism like like i really hate that period of history where everyone was like the communists are gonna ruin everything and it's like no communism was never the enemy like tyranny was the enemy it's not like the notion of communism because capitalism is just as evil as communism when it's in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. And that makes me angry when people don't make that distinct, like, distinction. This whole movie kind of upsets me. It should. It's very bad. It was a waste of our time. It, it was, was a waste of Leo's time. And that's the thing that makes me the most angry. <laughs> I'm angry on behalf of Leo. I'm <laughs> angry on behalf of Leo. I'm angry on behalf of Army Hammer. I'm angry on behalf of uh, What's-Her-Face. Oh, yeah, Naomi Watts. 
Like, no, the other one. Dame oh. Judi Dench. Oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, Naomi Watts is so boring in this that I almost forget that she's there. And she's not a boring actress. <laughs> she's, like, delightful in Birdman. No, yeah, no, this movie was just... This movie had the personality of, like, current Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> well... And Clint Eastwood is also a little J. Edgar-like, where you're like, you can't decide if he's a life ruiner or if he's, like, a delightful human. Yeah. I agree. So maybe, maybe that was the issue, is that this movie is really about Clint Eastwood and how he can't decide who he is as a person. I don't want to see a movie about two dudes that I don't know whether or not they're doing it. If I wanted to do <laughs> that, I could just, like, hang out with any two dudes. You know what I mean? Do you have any favorite scenes you want to share? Can we just nip this one in the bud? Nipped in the bud. You talked about all the things that I found delightful, and uh, I really there was nothing. There was nothing. There was very much that I found delightful. Oh wait, maybe when that scene when he's meeting Shirley Temple because I always love uh, Leo with kids. Oh yeah, that was adorable, but also a little creepy. Yeah, well, so he was like, "I'll trade you a kiss," and you're like, "Ew, don't do it, Shirley." Yeah, I know. Also, I find Shirley Temple to be terrifying. She looks like an old person as a child. Yes, she's Benjamin Button. She is. Chain of Leos. <laughs> he's um, not in that movie. No, he's not. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Um, how many Oscars are you going to give this turd bucket of a movie? Or I'm sorry. It's not the movie. How many Oscars are you going to give Leo's like halfway decent performance in this turd bucket of a movie? Eight. Oh, my God. You're so kind. I'm giving eight because I I upped it after I found out the way that he was treated. Yeah. And I think that he tried his best to uh, contribute to this movie and to make it better. And it just was a flaming turd and he couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. You can't polish a turd. Um, I am going to give him five. Whoa. Which is the lowest I've ever given Leo. And it's, no, it's I don't. I know that it's... We we were giving him, like, two in the beginning. <laughs> I don't think I ever gave him two. But whatever. Regardless, I'm giving him five. I feel bad about it. But I, I, I get the sense that when he came up against Clint Eastwood's dickishness, that he kind of stopped trying. I think so, too. I it's think an he- uninspired performance. It, and I get it. Like, he's up... You, you can't do much when you have a bad director. But, like, I don't know, maybe walk away from the movie. That would have been a better choice. That would have been a way better choice. Well, maybe not, like... Or maybe say, let's not do old people makeup. (laughs) Let's have an actual old person. Yeah. Like Rose in Titanic. They did not put makeup on friggin' Kate Winslet to try to make her look 83. They just, you know, got someone else. Do you think, though, that Leo enjoyed his, like, prosthetic belly? He was like, I think this could dad bod. He's like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> He's like, this would be easy to acquire naturally. And maintain. Yeah. All right. So now that we've literally all been bored to death. Are you guys awake uh, out there? Are you alive I'm out there? I'm so sorry, you guys. This movie sucks so bad. This is so hard to talk about. This is like what we've chosen, though. So we have to get through everything. Yeah, okay, so it's time to end the show. Um, In the meantime, you can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Please go subscribe, rate us, leave reviews, and help other people find the podcast. Um, 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Talk Leopod. And our website is Let's Talk About Leo.com. Uh, our theme song was composed by Blake Schmidberger. And the happy rest birthday. Is just, oh, happy birthday, Blake. And the, the rest is just a Meredith and Laura production. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Leo. Uh, be sure to come back next week when we talk about Leo's portrayal of a heinous Confederate plantation owner in Django Unchained. Unchained. Hashtag racist theme. I'm more, I'm excited because I think that's not going to be boring. Oh, no. No, no, no. Quentin Tarantino is never boring. Yeah. By the way, slight... It's disturbing. That just reminded me, though, um, that Leo had uh, dinner or lunch or something recently with Quentin Tarantino and Al Pacino, so... <gasps> Let's hope that's in the making. Wait, I read something else about Quentin Tarantino today, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, that's very interesting. That he, I know, uh, <laughs> this movie has caused me to be boring, and I should just stop talking. Anyway. I heard uh, it on NPR. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right. Have a good week, everyone. Enjoy. Watch Django Unchained. Peace Never, out, Never, ever watch J. Edgar. Okay, bye. Bye. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do